Hello everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth and if you don't know who I am, I post videos pertaining to a little bit of whatever I want. Conspiracy theories, controversial people, true crime, vlogs, just a little bit of everything. So if you're interested in any of that, you can subscribe. And if not, totally chill. You don't have to subscribe to have a good time. Like we are just here to do some makeup, talk about some true crime. And for today's case, we are gonna be talking about the case of Seth Jackson. Now there is a lot to get through, so we're just gonna hop right into it. Seth Jackson was born on February 3rd, 1996 in Summerfield, Florida. He was born to his mom, Sonia, his dad, Scott, and his two older brothers, Scott and Steven. As a kid, Seth was described to be the type of person that always loved to make people laugh. He was super kind. He had such a great heart. And he also really, really enjoyed wrestling and actually had dreams of going into the UFC one day. His family described described Seth as sort of just average. He wasn't super popular to where he had tons of friends, but he also wasn't super shy. He was just basically an average guy. Seth was also described to be a very big animal lover and loved to be outside. One of his favorite things to do was to go on his four-wheeler, but not only did he love, you know, just being outside and being in nature, he also loved being inside too and playing the card game Yu-Gi-Oh with his friends. That was literally his favorite thing and he completely just was like a typical kid he played with his Yu-Gi-Oh cards he hung out with his friends he loved hanging out with his family but all of that would unfortunately change when Seth was 14 years old and that's when he began dating Amber Wright and the couple actually stayed together for a long time an entire year and people said that at first their relationship was really cute they really flourished and they seemed like a very happy couple until the end of their relationship when things started to get extremely messy. Amber Wright was just overall not a good influence on Seth. Seth, before meeting Amber, he had never even like been introduced to drugs or alcohol, but that was something that Amber did a lot. And then that's when Amber would kind of introduce Seth into the lifestyle of partying, drugs, and alcohol at just 14 years old. Amber most hung around with the wrong crowds, especially her best friend, 18-year-old Charlie Ely. Charlie Ely actually had her own place. It wasn't really her own place. It was like a trailer that her parents had owned, but both of her parents were in jail. So it technically was her place. And because of this, this kind of became like the designated hangout spot every time the group would get together. Charlie had a total of three roommates and all of these roommates were all also like her friends that her, uh, Amber and Seth would frequently hang out with. And these three people included 16 year old Kyle Hooper, who was also um, Amber's half brother, 18 year old Michael Bargo, and 20 year old Justin Soto. These kids tended to sort of live the same lifestyle as Amber, a lot of drugs, alcohol, and partying. And it was mostly because they just all came from very troubling backgrounds. Kyle, while he was living with Amber, because as I said, like he is her half brother, he was actually kicked out of the house due to his substance abuse issues. Justin as well had a bunch of juvenile arrests for things such as possession of a weapon on school property, battery and burglary, and same thing with Michael. He had a criminal history of possession of a weapon, a restraining order, and burglary. And so since these were Amber's friends when she 
she started dating Seth, these also became Seth's friends. And over time, you know, you tend to reflect the people that you surround yourself with. And so because of this, since Seth was, you know, hanging around people who did all these drugs and alcohol and crime, he kind of went into the same way. So that is when Seth stopped hanging out with his friends. He stopped doing the things that he enjoyed doing, like playing Yu-Gi-Oh, going on his four-wheeler, hanging out with his family. He also started to argue with his family a lot and have a lot of resentment towards them. And so Seth overall was just kind of being influenced a lot by Amber and her friend group. But in March of 2011, that is when Amber would break up with Seth. But right after she broke up with Seth is when she would start dating 18-year-old Michael Bargo, Charlie's roommate. So Seth started to connect the pieces and he's like, okay, there's no way that they would just start dating, like actually intimately dating each other if they don't know that much about each other. So that means Amber was most likely cheating on me with him when we were dating. Then early March, that is when Mike had posted to his Facebook wall saying things to Amber like, quote, I already miss you, BBG. Love you, Amber. And this was posted while Amber and Seth weren't like dating, but they were just kind of going through a rough patch within their relationship. And on March 28th, that is when Amber had posted to her Facebook wall just the word done. And then after that, Seth had posted, quote, single, hit me up now that I don't have a trick with his like number attached. But although he seems to be very like nonchalant as if it's like not really affecting him. Seth did have a very longtime best friend named Will. Best friend Will knew Seth through and through. He knew the type of guy that he was deep down and Will said that after his breakup with Amber, he completely shut down. He was not the same person afterwards. It really affected him a lot because if you think about it, like Seth had basically built his entire life and personality upon Amber and her friend group. And so the fact that he doesn't have that anymore, even though before it was like 90% of his life, he's completely lost. He doesn't know what to do. He was struggling a lot with like self-identity issues, but also trying to go through a breakup that he's just now finding out that he was cheated on during it. April 8th of 2011, that is when Seth took to his face Facebook to say that he was single once again and to this this created like a argument between Seth and Amber on each other's Facebook walls. Amber and Seth just began to talk about their personal business openly online calling each other really disgusting names as well as just airing out their personal business just online including one post in particular where Seth had called out Amber for using meth. Now, a little bit of backstory about Michael Bargo. Michael Bargo, aka Mike, moved to Florida two years prior, but he did 
unfortunately grow up in a very abusive household. Since he grew up in an abusive household, Michael tended to have very bad anger issues. He would lash out quite frequently. And at just 16 years old, that is when he ran away from home. He dropped out of school and he just began couch surfing. Mike needed money, but he needed a lot of money quickly. And so that is when he just sort of resorted to crime. And then over the next couple of years, he would begin to build his criminal record. He was arrested twice for burglary, had a restraining order on him, carried a 22 caliber revolver wherever he went. And Michael also hated Seth. I mean, obviously he was Amber's ex. But the main reason why Mike hated Seth so much is because Amber had told Michael that Seth would physically abuse her all the time. And that is the reason why she broke up with him because he was just getting way too violent. And so because of this, you know, Michael thinking that Seth is a woman beater, he absolutely despised Seth. He wanted nothing to do with him. Michael would frequently talk about his hatreds towards Seth to all of his friends, including his roommate, aka Amber's half-brother, Kyle Hooper. But not gonna lie, Kyle had some valid reasons for not liking Seth because Kyle recalls one time that he had this girlfriend named Alyssa that he actually really, really loved. And then one day when he came home, he caught Seth and Alyssa hooking up. Their online fights would just get worse and worse. And now they weren't just fighting about like personal issues and being petty with one another. That is when Michael had actually entered himself into the argument with Seth and Amber, like all over Facebook. And he was actually talking about physical violence towards Seth. And Seth, he was not afraid of Michael whatsoever, and so he decided to bring their online drama to real life. Seth had actually found out through a couple of friends that Michael and Amber were going to be at the specific house party, and so he decided to go in order to confront Michael in person about all the drama going on and also just fight Michael because Michael had been talking online saying, you know, like, it's on site. When I see you, you're, you're gonna get it. And then Seth was like, okay, if I'm really gonna get it, then give it to me. And so he goes to this party. He confirms fronts Michael. And from people at the party, people would say that Seth, quote, laid him out at this party. He basically just fought Michael in front of the entire party, but apparently Michael didn't really know how to fight with just fists and no, like, guns or knives. And so because of this, he basically just embarrassed himself in front of the whole party. Seth had brought him down, and this absolutely killed Michael's ego. And not only did Seth beat Michael in front of the entire party, he also beat Michael in front of Amber. And so this whole situation made Michael extremely angry. Hey guys, don't worry, it's still me, just in sponsorship mode, thanking the sponsor of today's episode, ZocDoc. 
Now, personally, I am afraid of doctors, not because of like the actual environment. I just feel like sometimes being at a doctor's office is so intimidating and also trying to find a doctor and not just find a doctor, but find a doctor that takes your health insurance is even more frustrating where sometimes I just kind of feel like resorting to my group chats and just being like, hey, what does this mean? But you don't really get much medical advice in your group chat, but thanks to ZocDoc, all those problems problems are gone. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care you need. There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care that you deserve from trusted professionals and not just random people on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. When someone is extremely good at what they do, it could be a waiter, a chef, or a doctor, you know you're in good hands. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that is right for you is seamless, and the quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. There's nothing worse than getting to a doctor's appointment expecting to be the center of attention, and then your doctor seems like they are having other things to do and better places to be, but instead of listening to you and asking you how you feel and helping you along, the doctor is just checking the clock. But on ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors with patient reviewed and take your insurance are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you are not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Using the free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with just a few taps on their app and start feeling better with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com behind and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash behind, ZocDoc.com behind. And thank you to ZocDoc for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to your episode. And then on Sunday, April 17th of 2011, it was a normal day and usually Seth would be with his friends because as I said, at this time, Seth wasn't really hanging around with Amber or her friend group anymore. And so because of that, he just started to rekindle his old relationships, like with his old friends. And so typically he would be spending most of his days with his friends, either playing Yu-Gi-Oh or video games like he always used to. On this particular particular day, Seth was hanging out with his best friend, Will. But what Will didn't know was that day, Seth had been receiving non-stop text messages from Amber. Amber basically saying that, you know, she wants to get back with him, that he's like her one and only, just basically confessing her love to him all over again, reminding him of all of the great times that they had together. But Seth, at this point, he was kind of healing from everything because as I said, Amber had really just wrung him out. And so at this point, he was just so tired. But at the same time, he really did love Amber and he did have a soft spot for her. So he would respond to her throughout the day. Will noticed that Seth seemed very irritated, very agitated. He kept on looking at his phone all day and he just seemed distracted. And so that's when Will suggested, hey, 
why don't we go over to Britney's house? Because Britney was one of their friends. They were like, it's fine. Like, we'll get your mind off of it. We'll watch a movie. It'll be fun. And so Seth agrees and Seth and Will go over to Britney's house. But when this happens, it doesn't really help Seth at all because Amber is still texting him. Now, Will doesn't know that Amber is texting Seth. He doesn't want to pry about what's going on. He's just kind of like letting Seth do his thing, but he can clearly tell that something is bothering him. And so after, you know, hanging out with their friends, they go to walk home that night, to which again, Seth is on his phone. He seems agitated. He doesn't want to make him more angry so he doesn't say anything and then that is when the boys part ways to go home But unfortunately that would be the last time will will ever see Seth so basically what the text messages were between like Amber and Seth, she was also trying to get him to come to Charlie's trailer that night just so they can talk and hang out. Seth, as I said, he was healing. He didn't want to see Amber. And so he kept on declining all of her offers. Also thought that it was very odd and ungenuine about her quick change of heart. He honestly felt like it was a trap. After literally all day long of Amber asking him and asking him eventually he was just like okay whatever I'll go there was even one point in the text message conversations where Seth told Amber that he was scared to show up to Charlie's trailer because he was convinced that he was gonna get jumped to which Amber eased his nerves and said no I would never let that happen to you after Seth and Will part ways at the end of their walk he walks over to Charlie's trailer but what he didn't know was that inside of the trailer was not just Amber, but it was also Michael, Charlie, Kyle, and Justin, and they were all about to execute a premeditated plan to murder Seth. The next day on Monday, April 18th, 2011, that is when Seth's mother noticed that Seth never came home the night before. And this particularly concerned her because as I said, Seth on the outside was like this very hard, you know, tough guy, but on the inside, he was a big mama's boy. And so it was very odd for Seth not to let his mother know if he was coming home that night or if he was just coming home late. So the fact that he said nothing to her and didn't show up at all that night, it really concerned her. She tried to contact Seth, but there was no replies. And then eventually, as it got later and later in the day, she decided to call the police and file a missing persons report. Then the day after that, on Tuesday of April 19th, 2011, that is when Seth's disappearance started to show on the news. On this day, that is when Kyle was watching watching the news with his mother and then as he was watching that is when Seth's missing case came up and for some reason Kyle watching Seth's mother cry on television about the loss of her son and everyone extremely worried about where he is and what happened to him this just made Kyle feel so overwhelmed and guilty and so that is when he went to his mother and confessed to her that the night before him and his friend group had murdered Seth. 
explains the entire story to his mother from beginning to end, but within the story, he does tell his mother that he had nothing to do with it. All he did was watch. And so his mother told him, you know, you should not be telling me this. You should be telling a police officer this. And so that is when she takes Kyle to the police station. That day, Amber, Charlie, and Justin were all brought into questioning. However, Michael, Michael Bargo, he was nowhere to be found. The police tried to find him at his home, but he wasn't there. They tried checking like a couple of friends' homes. He also wasn't there. So it was very clear that he was hiding. The investigators decided to put all of the kids in different rooms so they could really hear each of their individual stories and they wouldn't be relying on each other for information. And their hopes for doing this is they hope that by the end they can compare the kids' story to try to find some inconsistencies. And if there are any inconsistencies, they will bring all of the kids together in one room and basically just confront the inconsistencies or the lies in front of everybody. So starting off with Justin's interrogation, Justin at first was very, very closed off and pretended like he barely knew anything that was going on, that he was barely involved, and he even referred to Amber as, quote, Charlie's friend. And when talking about Seth, he said, quote, the little white boy. I think his name is Seth or something. He also attempts at just distancing himself from the group altogether. He says that he barely knows anybody in the group or really talks to anybody. He's just sort of there as a roommate and he doesn't really talk or know anybody that well. And then when it comes to his whereabouts on Sunday, he gives very, very vague answers. And the detective sees right through this. She clearly clearly sees that, you know, Justin is trying to hide something. There is no way with the amount of time that Justin has lived there and with the amount of times that Amber and Seth have come over to the house, there's just no way that Justin just wouldn't be friends with them or wouldn't know more about them. Justin at this point didn't have a job, so it's not like he was out all day. He was home for most of the day. And so the detective saw right through this. And so that is when she she attempts at a different approach to try to get Justin to talk. And so she tells Justin that actually they have everyone else in the other interrogation rooms and they're asking, you know, them the same questions, but everyone is actually blaming everything on Justin. And so if he doesn't tell the truth of what actually happened, he's going to be going to jail for something that he didn't do. And so the detective leaves him with an option that he could either go to jail for the entirety of the crime or just the section of the crime that he was involved in. And immediately you can tell that this scares Justin because after the detective says that, he just says, quote, wow, well, since you put it that way, here's what happened. And then he pursues to tell his side of the story. As far as Amber's interrogation, Amber is accompanied by her mother because Amber at this time was only 15 years old, same age as 
Seth and so because of that her being a minor she had to be accompanied by an adult such as her mother. Amber says that that night on Sunday her and her friend Charlie went to go meet up at the corner of Seth's friend's Brittany's house. She says that it was around 9 30 p.m and since it was dark outside that's the reason why Charlie came with. She said she met up with Seth. The two of them talked for about 30 minutes just about everything, their day, their relationship, how they feel about one another. And after their 30 minutes of talking that is when they decide to part ways and Seth goes home while Amber walks back with Charlie to go back to Charlie's trailer. But an hour later Amber says that Seth randomly shows back up at the house and when he shows back up at the house Charlie is the one that opens the door and to this Seth tells Charlie that he wants to speak with Amber again. Charlie lets him into the house that uh him and Amber can talk and her and Seth start talking for a little bit until Amber says that randomly Kyle just gets up from the couch and starts hitting Seth, like starts beating him up. And so because of this, Charlie and Amber get very, very scared. And so they run to Charlie's room. They said that from the room, all they heard was a bunch of screaming, thumping, five to six gunshots. And then after the shots went off, there was just silence. Amber said that within the silence, all she could hear was Kyle say, quote, what did you just do? And they ended up being way too scared to come out at all and they stayed in Charlie's room until the very next morning. As you can tell right away, this is a very big situation. This is definitely very traumatizing, something that you're not going to easily forget. And so if this did indeed happen, Charlie would definitely have the same story as Amber. As for Charlie's interrogation, for the most part, Charlie's story is identical to Amber's story so it's speculated that maybe the two girls had gotten together to make sure that their story was right but there's no such thing as a perfect false story because they did catch a lot of big gaps and holes in Charlie's story. In Charlie's story she said that on the night of Sunday when they met up with Seth her and Amber actually walked to her street corner to meet up up with Seth, not the corner of Brittany's house, to which that is what Amber said. Also, in Amber's story, she told police that the next day she didn't see Michael at all because Michael just stayed in his room. But in Charlie's story, she says that she actually did see Michael the next day, to which Michael said, quote, I swear if you guys open your mouth about anything last night, I'm gonna come after you guys. So those are all of the interrogations thus far. Now let's circle back to Kyle's interrogation. So as I said, Kyle is more of the weak link, I guess, of the group. Although he seems to be telling his story, the police tell very, very quickly that he is leaving out big parts. He's not completely telling the truth. And the biggest part that the police notice of like Kyle's story is that he says that he has no part in it. He said that all he did was watch. He didn't actually engage in anything, which is completely false. They know that although there may be false parts, his story most likely has a lot more truth than anyone else they have heard from today. Kyle then tells the story of that Sunday and says that that morning he was hanging out with his friend Brandon at Charlie 
Charlie's trailer and then that is when Michael came in and he started snorting some crushed up white pills. He said he didn't really know what these white pills were but shortly after Brandon left it was now Kyle, Amber, Charlie, Justin, and Michael just like the usual people at the house. After Michael had snorted up these white pills he began to get extremely fired up and then followed it up by saying quote man i want to go on a killing spree tonight i just want to you guys down to this kyle says that everyone started to agree with michael nobody thought that that was crazy nobody thought that that was odd they were really going along with it throughout michael talking he kept on saying that if they actually did michael would 100 percent take the blame for everyone they would not need to go to jail this is just something that he wants to do and since it was his idea of course he would take the blame for it. Kyle does not say that he is completely innocent though he does confess a little bit by saying that he did indeed hit Seth over the head three times. Although Kyle seemed to be telling the most truth out of everyone there it was not the full truth that the police were looking for and so that is when the police decided to put all of the kids into one room and just monitor how they interact with each other. But they didn't let all the kids into the room all at once. They thought that it would be smart to put Amber and Kyle into a room at first. And as I said, Amber was sharing the room with her mom. And so when Kyle walked into the room, that is when Kyle tells their mom, quote, both your kids are in for murder. What we told you wasn't the story. I mean, it was planned. Everything was planned. Everybody. After this, that is when Kyle starts to mention a new name to the story, a guy named James. Now, the detectives don't know who James is or where this James comes in from, but they do take note of it. And then shortly after this, that is when the mother is asked to leave the room. Then that is when at first just Charlie enters and then about 20 minutes later, Justin enters as well. And it wasn't until when all all of the kids were in the same room together where the police really started to know the actual story of what happened that night. What they were saying, it seems like Michael was the ringleader of this whole operation. He was the one who had the idea. He was the one who said he was going to take the blame. On that morning, after snorting some pills, he had proposed the idea to Justin, Charlie, Amber, and a new person to the story, 37-year-old James Younghavens, former stepfather of Amber and Kyle. What is this former stepfather, 37-year-old man doing hanging out with 15-year-old kids? I have absolutely no clue, but he is entering the story. Michael did indeed propose the idea of a killing spree of like who they were going to kill and that he would take all the blame for it. And for some reason, the whole group was just on board there was about like five or six of them and none of them even said like hey maybe we shouldn't do this nobody stepped in and said that's extremely messed up we shouldn't be doing that we could actually go to prison none of them thought any of that they were just completely on board with the idea so then after a long talk and again with michael telling the whole group that he was indeed going to take the blame for everything that is when they started to figure out who exactly to kill and shortly after they decided to kill Seth. 
it was Amber's job to lure Seth to Charlie's trailer and she was going to lure him with him being under the impression that they were going to get back together. This eventually did work and then after he went to Brittany's house instead of going home, he did just indeed go straight to Charlie's trailer. Police also found phone conversations the night of the murder between Amber and Seth that read at 7.58 p.m. Amber had texted Seth and told him to meet her at the corner of Charlie's trailer and then when Seth showed up, Amber told him that the only reason Charlie was there was because it was dark outside and she didn't want to be waiting for him in the dark and so that is when she suggests, you know, since it is dark outside, we should probably take this conversation inside of the trailer to which Seth at first was like, no, I don't know about this. Like, I think this is a setup but Amber and Charlie just tried to like ease his mind and say, no, this isn't, don't worry, we would never do that to you and so that is eventually when they were able to convince Seth to go into Charlie's trailer. When Seth walked into the home, Kyle was indeed sitting on the couch and Michael and Justin were in their rooms, but when they walked in, Amber told Kyle, can you leave for a minute while I talk to Seth? And so I guess that was like their cue or something because shortly after that, Kyle immediately got up and went to Michael's room. It was in this moment where Kyle said that he started to feel nervous about the whole thing and he really started to get second thoughts because because actually seeing Seth there in person just made the whole thing 10 times more real. He tried to express this to Michael even, saying, you know, Michael, we shouldn't go through with this. But Michael had reminded Kyle that Seth had gotten with Alyssa as well as abusing his sister Amber. And this is something that should, you know, have consequences. And on top of all of that, Seth had even fought Michael in front of a whole party of people making him even more embarrassed. At that time where they had gotten some sort of cue or signal from Charlie and Amber and that is when the two of them walked out of the bedroom and they started to beat Seth with blocks of wood as Amber and Charlie ran to Charlie's room. Kyle hit him over the head three times while Justin also came out of his room and hit Seth over the head one time. Seth immediately jumped up and ran for the door but Michael came out of his his room with a gun and shot Seth in the back twice. Seth was still able to run even though he was shot and at this point when Charlie and Amber started to hear the gunshots that's when things became extremely real for them. They started crying. They didn't want to leave the room because they were scared of what they were going to see and they also didn't want to call the police because then they would be incriminating themselves. All they could really do was just cross their fingers and wait for it to be over. Seth was actually able to run to a nearby road in order to get some help, but eventually Justin was able to catch up with him, tackle him to the ground, and then when Seth was on the ground, that is when Mike would continue to shoot Seth multiple times. This portion was definitely labeled as what's called an overkill, meaning that you are shooting someone way more times than needed in order to kill them. And that's exactly what Michael was doing. Mike was literally just shooting Seth over and over again to the point where Kyle had to stop him and even screamed, quote, stop it, stop it, just let him go. And then at this point, Michael and Justin had went inside and made Kyle drag Seth inside of the trailer. Michael went into Charlie's room where Charlie and Amber were just sitting there crying. Michael had went in there with a gun in his hand and saying, quote, 
I love you both, but if you say anything, I will kill you both. When Kyle had brought Seth into the home, that is when Michael had taken Seth's body and dragged him out to the bathtub. Michael had placed Seth in the bathtub and instructed Justin and Kyle to clean the blood that was in the living room and the kitchen while Charlie and Amber had prepared a fire outside in order to burn Seth's body. Kyle said Michael had shut the door to the bathroom so they couldn't really see what was going on, but all they could hear was Michael, quote, talking psycho. He was yelling, he was cursing, and there was also more gunshots with silence following them. Michael was in there for about 20 minutes, and at this point, Seth was indeed dead. And so once Michael knew that Seth was dead, that is when he walked out of the bathroom and told Justin and Michael to dispose of Seth in the fire outside. But instead of just disposing Seth into the actual fire like how they were supposed to, Michael seemed to ha be having too much fun with this disgustingly. He was doing really weird and unnecessary things to Seth's dead body. He began pulling out several of Seth's teeth. He broke both of his kneecaps with a baseball bat. He was playing with his tongue and even hit him with a shovel. Michael then put Seth into a sleeping bag and then dragged him outside. That is when he got the help of Justin and Kyle to throw Seth into the fire. And Justin was in charge of staying outside and checking on the fire to make sure that Seth's body was actually burned and there was nothing but fragments left. And so Justin basically just had to sit there and physically watch Seth burn to ashes. While Justin was outside looking at Seth's body, that is when everyone else just went back inside and they were celebrating. It was said by Justin later on that everybody was inside. He could hear them just laughing, listening to music, drinking, talking, basically celebrating what they had just done while Justin had to sit out there and watch what they had just done. And so eventually Seth's body burnt to ashes and bones and the very next day that is when James Haven was called to help dispose of the ashes and the bones. James did indeed help the kids fill 35 gallon tanks of Seth's remains and throw them into a nearby lake and then furthermore helps them clean up the last of the blood stains in the home, like the living room, the kitchen, the bathroom. All of this story that I just told you was said while the kids were in the room together. Like they told none of this to the police. This is basically the story they were saying to one another and they have no reason to lie to one another because they were all there and so the police really know now that this is what happened and that James is actually way more involved than what he was saying. So once the police are hearing all of this that is when they know that Michael is definitely the ringleader of all of this and that he is purposely trying not to be found and so that is when the police start up a manhunt in order to find Michael and they do eventually find Michael about 80 miles away lying low with you would never have guessed his girlfriend not Amber 
his other girlfriend that he was cheating on Amber with. Once he was found, he was indeed immediately taken into questioning. As for Michael's interrogation, it turns out that it was very, very similar, like his story was very, very similar to Justin's and Kyle's. So surprisingly with Michael, very similar to Kyle, Michael felt very, very guilty about his actions. He couldn't deal with what he had just done and so he needed to confide in someone and that is when he had basically confessed to his girlfriend's dad and his girlfriend's dad's girlfriend about the killing of Seth. But he did not give them the full factual story. He said that he shot a guy eight times because that man had SA'd his little sister, aka Amber. He couldn't just flat out say that guy actually SA'd my girlfriend because then they would think, oh, you mean our daughter? So not only does he confess to the actual crime itself, he also tells them that they had a friend named James that helped them put Seth's body in a nearby river and they tied these gallon tanks with cinder blocks so that they would sink straight to the bottom and he knows exactly where they're at. While Michael was getting interrogated, that is when Charlie, Amber, uh, Kyle, and Justin were in the other room all together and they were basically just outing themselves out, confessing everything. And then as they were all in there, that is when one detective came in and basically just called them out and said, these are the inconsistencies this is why I don't believe you and I need a story right now because if I don't have a story then all of you guys are going to jail for something that you may or may not have done so that's why I need the truth and so that really scared all of them as I said these kids are ranging from ages like 15 to 19 like they're teenagers so of course they're gonna cry they're gonna buckle up they're gonna get scared but nonetheless they did indeed open up to the detective about enough not the full story but it was enough to where that day Justin, Michael, Amber, Charlie, and Kyle were all arrested for the murder of Seth Jackson. And later on, James was also arrested as well for being an accessory to murder. As far as the trial, all of them had separate trials, but all of them were pleading guilty to their crimes. So Charlie, Amber, Kyle, and Justin were all sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole for the first degree murder of Seth Jackson. Michael, however, pleaded not guilty, which was odd because he was the ringleader of all of this. It was literally his idea. And he was at first going to do life in prison, but the jury found that Michael's actions and state of mind were so evil and sinister that they wouldn't trust him around any other human beings. And he was actually sentenced to death, giving him the title of the youngest person person on death row in the state of Florida. Usually at these trials, the family of both the victim and the criminal are there, but as for Michael's family, he actually told his family, especially his mother, not to come, saying, quote, I don't want you there. 
Michael was sentenced to death while everyone else was just sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. But as for James, James was actually charged with an accessory to murder, but was deemed not fit to stand trial. And it took him a whole five years in 2017, where he finally had his trial because he was deemed fit to stand trial. And that is when he was sentenced to max 30 years and if he does fully live out his 30 years, he will be released in 2047 at the age of 73 years old. As far as the aftermath of all of this, Michael actually in 2014 attempted to appeal his sentence, but it was denied. And as of today in 2023, he is still on death row awaiting his sentence. As far as Charlie Ely, Charlie Ely in 2020 was given a retrial on the claims of an ineffective defense team and accepted a plea deal and was released at the age of 27 years old with time served after only doing nine years when she was supposed to get life in prison without possibility of parole. So as for Charlie today, she is out on the streets. She's living her life. It's believed that since then she has changed her name. As for Kyle Hooper, he did attempt at a retrial in 2016 to which he wasn't given parole like Charlie. Instead, he was just given like a new sentencing. He was now given life sentence with possibility of parole in 25 years. And so if he does live out those 25 years, he will be able to be released in the year 2041 at the age of 45 years old. As for Justin Soto, he still lives out his life sentence today in prison. He hasn't attempted for a retrial or anything. As for Amber Wright, she also, very similar to Kyle, got a retrial back in 2016 and she was given the same exact thing as Kyle. Uh, she was now given life in prison with possibility of parole in 25 years. And so same thing with Kyle. If she does live out those 25 years, she will be released in 2041 at the age of 44 years old. Some detectives about the case argue whether or not Michael or Amber was the ringleader of this operation. It seemed like Michael came up with the idea, but Amber was the most persistent with it because Amber, she that entire day when convincing Seth to come over, she could have stopped herself. She could have said, you know, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be manipulating him to come over. I shouldn't be, you know, doing this. It just feels wrong. She had the entire day to wake up and realize what was going on. She had the entire day to stop begging Seth to come over to just accept his decline, but instead she pursued because it seems like this is something that she wanted. All of this just could have easily been avoidable, you know? If nobody said anything, if everyone just went their separate ways, all of this could have been avoided. And Seth really, from what we see, had done nothing wrong to this friend group. The only thing he did wrong was sleep with Alyssa. But even that story, there's 
really no like concrete evidence for that. We're basically just taking Kyle's word on it. He had never, you know, misguided them. He was never disloyal to them. He loved Amber. He worshipped Amber. He was willing to get back together with Amber after everything she had done to him. He even fought for Amber in front of an entire party. Like that's how much he loved and cared for Amber. Further proving that like he would never do anything wrong to purposely hurt this group of people. But yeah, that is the end of today's video. If you guys found this video interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe. And if you want to follow me on any of my socials, like my Instagram, that will be linked down below as well as my PO box if you want to send me anything. And as well as well, all of the research that I use for this video. So all of the interrogations that I mention, if I mention any articles or quote anything, all of that will be linked down below. So if you want to go ahead and do your own research about the case, you can use that as a starting point. And if you do go ahead and do your own research about the case, and if you find something that I didn't find in my research or that I simply just didn't say, make sure to leave that in the comments below because I'm pretty sure everybody here will be very interested to hear what you have to say. And as well, as well, as well, all of the makeup that I put on my face. So if you're wondering what the lip is, what the liner is, what the foundation is, all of that will be linked down below for you to check out. My look today was definitely inspired by Lana Del Rey. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of her where she has the above liner, the eyeliner, and the water liner. I just think it looks so, so pretty, so I decided to recreate it today. Yeah, that's all from me. Nothing really to report over here. Um, make sure to go outside today, get some fresh air. Today it is blue skies, which kind of sucks because I have so much to do. I wish I could be outside, but make sure to go outside today, get some fresh air, get your vitamin D, make sure to do some self-care today, take care of yourself, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, and as always, I love you, I love you, I love you, and do something that makes you happy today.